I can. That doesn't mean you can sleep during the service, okay? I heard. <laughs> okay, let's open up our Bibles. Uh, I want to welcome the, those of you that are that are here uh, for the first time. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, and uh, it seems like a little bit of rain just kind of scared everybody off. I don't know, or even the threat of rain. But I'm glad that you're here. You know, usually in some churches, the small churches especially, they, they embarrass you by making you stand up and introduce yourselves to each other. But I'm not going to do that. I'll embarrass you later. Uh, right now, we just like for you to, uh, to be a part of our service and and uh, in our message and the music and all, and, and to just enjoy your time in the Lord. Amen? We're here to serve God. We're here to worship and praise Him and to hear from Him. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. Like our page Share it with somebody. Just post it and share it right now so people can see uh, that uh, we are here uh, and uh, let them know that we are um, worshiping the Lord. Amen? I don't know about you, but I, I think, I, well, personally, I, I just, this is just my assumption, okay? I'm just, I'm just assuming that God, uh, that you want God to do something mightily in you. Uh, most people go to church because they feel a lack of something. There's something going on and there's something that's not right in my mind or in my life. And things seem to have been happening in our life. And I, and I, I just would really, really like God to just do something magnificent in my life. As a matter of fact, I know that he, he promises those things in the Bible. And I see people that have uh, come to the Lord and, and God has used them mightily. But, you know, that's, that's those guys. That's that pastor of the huge mega church. And that's, you know, that Christian uh, that, that is just constantly always preaching and proclaiming the word. But I, I, don't, I don't think he can do that with me, you know. And, and I know that he wants to, but, you know, it's just little old me. I'm not, I'm not anybody really big. And, and I think that a lot of people have that misconception because even though they pray and they wonder, okay, what's going on, Lord? How come you're not using me in the way that you promised to do? And, and I want you to know that this, from this point forward in the book of Ephesians, we've been going through the book of Ephesians now for the last, well, since July. And uh, we've come to chapter 3, verse 14, if you want to open up your Bibles there. And what Paul has been doing, he's been walking us through our position as believers. When, when, you are, when you are a believer, when you're regenerated, there's something very uh, supernatural that happens within a believer. And, and beloved, I just want to say this as lovingly and as gentle as I can. If something supernatural hasn't happened within you, then maybe you're not supernaturally saved. Maybe something has happened in your life that, that you, you've gone through the motions. You know the jargon, the Christianese. You, you know the things to say, but it just seems that sin just keeps weighing you down. And I believe that for many people, they want to see the power of God in their life. And if God has supernaturally saved you, and we, this is what Paul had explained from the very beginning in chapter 1, you were predestined from the beginning, from the foundations of the world. You were saved even before you were even born. And, and when you know this and you understand this, then you can comprehend the richness of God's grace. And this is what we've called this whole sermon series is the riches of the grace of God. And, and we're going to start to see today on how all of this pans out. And from this point forward, how it is that we're able to live out the rest of Ephesians chapters four, five, and six. 
Because there are some there are some things there that are going to kind of, you can, how do I do that? How do I put on the full armor of God? The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, my feet shod in the gospel of peace. How do I do this? Pick up the sword, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith. How am I supposed to go up against the enemy when I can't even walk out the front door without some kind of thought or process in my life? And so this is right here, I believe, the center point of what Paul is talking about. He's told us who we are. We were predestined. We have these riches. We were once alienated from God, and now we're saved. We were once apart from this community, this citizenship. We had no hope. We had no God. And we were dead, dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. And now what God has done through Jesus Christ has given us this living hope. He's made the two, and we talked about this quite a bit, he made the two, the Jewish nation and the Christian nation. He made the two one man. And, and it is very, it's good for us. We, we understand that. We've grown up in a racially diverse culture. And we, we understand and we know that there's hatred on both sides. But most of that has been taken away and they're still working on trying to make the two one man. And I don't care how many laws or social justices that you put out there or whatever the case may be. The only way that the two can become one is the supernatural power through Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. God, Paul is telling us that he made out of the two one man. To us, it, it sounds, okay, well, we can do that. But you have to remember the culture, the time, the, the, the hatred, the, 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 just the animosity toward one another. See, Jewish people believe that they are the ones. They are, they are the only ones for, for God, from God, and because of God. And we can bring other people in and we can, as long as they go through the customs and the traditions and the circumcisions and all those other things, we can bring them in, but, but they have to abide by our customs. And Paul says, that's not, that's not the case anymore. You see, not only can you bring them in, but, and for the Jewish person, they, we can bring them in, but they're not going to receive everything that we have because, well, well, first of all, we're from the line of Abraham. And Paul had been preaching all his life. And as a matter of fact, as I've mentioned many times already before, Paul is in prison because he was preaching that the Jew and the Gentile are now one. And they have the same access. We have the same access as Jewish people. And this infuriated them. They hated Paul for this. How dare you say that our God is for you guys as well? We know that you guys can get saved, but you guys aren't a part of us. You're not receiving the inheritance that we have. That's our inheritance. See, we are children of Abraham, not you. We let you come in and be blessed by it, but you're not part of us. Paul says, yes, you are. Paul says that God himself grafted us in. We have been redeemed and we have been brought in. Now God is our God and God is our Father. And so when that happens, Paul is talking about uh, talking to us about who we are in Christ positionally. Now he's talking, going to talk to us, okay, here's what you need to do purposefully. You see, it's not a matter of perfection in your life. It's a matter of direction. And for many people, we, we fail. We all do. I fail all the time. You know, and, and it's just that sin nature. And we'll see how Paul did the same thing. And what Paul is going to propose to us is verse 20. 
And I want to I want to focus on verse 20 right now in chapter 3. We're going to go back and find out how is it that we get to verse 20. Well, naturally, we have to go from through verses 14 through 60, uh, 19 first. But verse 20 is one of the verses that I used to have a hard time with understanding. I heard a message here just recently by John MacArthur, and he broke it down in such a very simple experience planetary way, because I, I would look at verse 20. I've preached verse 20. I teach verse 20. I try to live by verse 20, and I try to give it out to people, say, look, this is you. You are this. The problem was that there's this progression, and, and we'll see that as we go through this verse. But let's start off with verse 20. In chapter 3, it says, Now, to him, of course, we're talking about God, who is able to do far more abundantly. God is able to do far more abundant. That in itself is like, wow, that just blows me. He can do that? Yes, he can do far more abundantly than all we ever ask. Can you ever, can you ask for a lot of stuff? Is there a lot of things that you can ask for? Now check this out. Not only can he do far more abundantly, more than you can ask, but he can also do far more abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. There are things that God wants to do in your life that you don't even know what they are. And he wants to do these things in your life. And he wants to explode this power that you have when you're a regenerated believer, a genuine believer. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the capability of doing far more abundantly, more than you can ever ask or you can ever think of or imagine. Now, I really believe that many Christians want to do that. They, they really believe that they should do that. But they're somehow stagnated. They've stopped. Something has happened in their life where they just don't really believe that they can do this. This is a promise from God. And if God is going to give us a promise, He's also going to give us the means. And this is what we're going to talk about today. He wants to do this according, look into this, according to the power at work within us. That power is already within you, beloved. That power is already within you. Some of you have gone through some very devastating things in these last couple of years, especially with the COVID-19 and 20, and, and now we're going into 21. We're 21 now, we are going into 22, and no telling what's going to happen. Many of you have gone through some, some things and you, you look back now and you wonder, how in the world did I ever get through that? And, it, and if you've been able to taste just a little bit of what God has, wants to, has, has done in your life, imagine what he can do about the things you can't even think about, things you don't even know that he wants to do. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you once again for given us the opportunity just to gather today. Though we are few, we know we have a, a myriad of witnesses around us. And we know, God, that you are uh, here in this place. We remove ourselves so that your Holy Spirit can fill us. We remove our, our own selfish ambitions, our, our own desire, our pride, the things that we desire. Lord, you said you would fulfill all our needs, not our greeds. Help us to understand the difference between the two.
You said, Father, that you will give us the desires of our heart. And our desires are vast and wicked and, and so just all over the place. But Lord, what you said is that you yourself are going to give us those desires in our heart. Help us to understand that as well. So Lord, this morning I pray that your word as we open it up, we see this process that you take us through to be able to get to this point of doing far more exceedingly abundantly anything that we can ever think, process, comprehend in our minds, or even imagine, or even believe. And I know, Father, that that's what you desire. And I know that every genuine believer desires the same thing. And I pray this morning you walk us through that process in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 14, we spent a couple of weeks in verses 1 and one through 13. Reason being is because it's, it's a parenthesis in a sense. It's a, it's a, it's a block of, of all of a sudden, if you, if you look at verse 1 with me again, all of a sudden Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Well, you know, and then he stops. In my, in my translation, in my Bible, there's like a dash. There's that dash that said, okay, there's something happening. And in all honesty, that should be a parenthesis from verses 3 all the way to 13. That should be a parenthesis. Paul is getting ready to do something. I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you, well, you know, before I even tell you what I want to do, let me walk you back to what I just talked about. You are one man. God has made the two one. You are one church, one body, one spirit. And he's going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. And so we went through that the last couple of weeks. But verse 14 picks up where verse 1 left off. Because look, at it says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. See, what Paul was about to do in verse 1 was to pray. For the people in Ephesus. I want to pray for you guys. And this is my prayer for you. And this should be the prayer of every pastor for their congregation. This prayer should be the prayer on the heart of every genuine pastor, believer that wants his church and his people to grow. He says, I pray, I bow my knees. And, and the bowing of the knees is just the posture that Paul used at this time. It's, it's not necessarily the posture that you use when you pray. The, the Bible talks about all sorts of different ways of praying. Jesus prayed face down. David prayed after he finished and dedicated the temple. He sat down and he prayed. Uh, Paul would sometimes stand and, and lift up his hands. Solomon would, would also do the same thing. So there's various ways of praying. You can walk and pray. You can drive and pray. Don't close your eyes while if you drive or walk and pray. You can, you can pray sitting down. You can pray standing up. You can pray. The posture is not necessarily that important. Really, it's more the posture of the heart. If you bend your knee, beloved, bend your heart. And sometimes the posture helps for you to focus more upon what you're trying to get across, especially when you're really pleading with God. Yes. Maybe on your knees is a great way to, 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 to just bow your, 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 your knee before the Lord. And Paul used this expression, and he used all sorts of different ways of praying. And sometimes when, I, when I'm just in, in, in need and, and I just want to raise up God, I surrender. I, I've blown it. I, I'm standing here with my hands wide open, my, my arms. I surrender. Take everything out of my palms, out of my life. Take it all. And sometimes we pray standing up with our hands turned the other way, praising God, praising God, praising God. 
And so as you pray, Paul says, I bow my knees. Not necessarily that that's the way we should always pray, but I think, beloved, it's, it's your heart more than anything else. Some people pray with their eyes closed. I've seen people pray with their eyes open. My grandkids do it all the time. They're looking to see who's praying with them, you know? Uh, and, and so it, it's all a matter of your heart. I think that bowing when you're petitioning the Lord helps you to focus. I, I believe closing your eyes helps you to focus. I believe by, by raising your hands or, you know, just for yourself, not as a show for everyone around you, but for yourself is, is a face down. Each one of those are very important. Now, some of us can't, if we bend our knee, we might not be able to get back up. So, um, you know, so you might want to think about that a little bit. But, but, you know, wherever it is where you're sitting down, bow your heart in respect but, but Christians, so-called Christians, true Christians, they chase around in every direction, madly trying to find the solution to life's problems when they have the solution living inside of them, the Holy Spirit. If people are genuinely saved, then the indwelling Christ is inside of you. He, he has the power. He was able to resurrect himself. Why don't you think he's going to resurrect you out of where you are? It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, whether a baby Christian or a mature Christian, how a young Christian, an older Christian. The fact of the matter is that God can do some amazing things through you. Now, in verses one, chapters 1 through 3, we mentioned about who you are. And now we need nothing more than Christ himself to give us this ability to work through any anxieties that we have to cope with, to deliver us from all sorts of problems in our life, to deliver us from all sorts of evils in this world, all sorts of temptations. You know, when you live within the power of the Holy Spirit, temptations will come. I want you to know that. But when you say, Holy Spirit, I submit to you, they go away. And sometimes we have to just very quickly and very sincerely and easily just do that. Just pray, Holy Spirit, take this temptation from me. For this reason, Paul picks up, for this reason, he identifies you know, where he's at. For this reason, I am praying to God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And it's interesting here because people take this. And says, uh, verse 15, from, uh, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth are named. Now, it's very interesting, and we need to know this, beloved, is that, um, th- there are, there are two fathers in this world. If you were to do a Google search and you were to look, people have tried to estimate that there's more than 4,500 religions in the world. And uh, so, you know, how can you keep up with all these different religions? How can you actually keep up with them? Well, I, I'm going to explain it to you today how you can do that. The Bible teaches that there's only two. Okay, there's only God and there's only Satan. That's it. Jesus beautifully uh, put you. Go with me to John chapter 8. Let me just show you very quickly. In John chapter 8, he's having this discussion with the Pharisees. And with the Pharisees, as he's talking to them, he's telling them that uh, he is... Uh, they're, they're asking him. Basically, the question that they're asking, and it's just kind of crude, and it's, it's stated indirectly. Uh, when, when they ask Jesus, uh, in verse, verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31, you know, it actually goes through the whole process. 
If you want to go to verse 19, that's kind of where it starts. Jesus is talking about he's the light of the world. And they said to him in verse 19, uh, where is your father? Okay. Your mom basically said that, you know, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Who, who is your father, really? This is, and this is kind of the, the implication that they're giving here to Jesus. You know, you, you say that uh, your God is your father. You don't even know who your father is, do you? In a sense is what they're asking. And so what Jesus does, he turns around and says, you know, neither me nor my father. They go, yeah, we don't, we don't know who your father is. You don't even know him. But his retort is focused upon God himself. And he goes and he talks to him a little bit more. And then in verse 31, he says to, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say that we're going to be set free? Set free from what? We're not slaves. We're, we're Abraham's kids. We're free. You know, and this is that animosity that, that the Jews had with the Gentiles. You know, we're, we're special people. We're God's special people. We're the anointed ones. We're the chosen ones. You know, and, and everybody else is going to go to hell. As a matter of fact, the reason Gentiles were created, they would say, the reason Gentiles were created is so that God would have something to keep the fire going with. The, the fires of Hades. And all these people that God created, they're just for the fire so we can keep warm. We're not going there. And Jesus is really just laying into them. And they said, uh, we are offsprings of Abraham. I'm still in verse 23, 33. And uh, never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you were offspring offspring of Abraham, yet you set you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my with my own eyes, he says. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do not do what you have heard from your father. And then they got really mad. What are you talking about? They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the things and the works that Abraham did. But you now seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. And he says, your father is Satan. There's only two, beloved. There's only two. Jesus talks about the wide road unto destruction and the narrow road unto eternal life. He's talking about the goats and the sheep. He's talking about the wheat and the shaft. He talks about the everything else just is lumped up into that wide road. Everything else. And it's Jesus Christ only. And he preached this. Paul preached this to the Jews. The Jews rejected it. So he preached it to the Gentiles. The Gentiles received it. The Gentiles became one. Now, a lot of the Gentiles, a lot of the Greek people didn't like Paul either because he just kept preaching one God, one God, one God. And they said, what about all our other gods? You guys are atheists. You guys only have one God. We have all these gods. We're more special than you. 
We have plenty of gods, but our gods are always mad, and they always had to appease their gods, and they always had to offer sacrifices and, and try to get their gods to, to bend to their will. But see, it's not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of what's already been done, is what Paul has been telling them. And, and so we have Paul sharing with them, and, and, and he's saying, I bow my knee before the Father of all, he says here, of all the earth. Uh, on, and on the earth that, that are named by him. And so he's not talking about everybody. And people make that mistake of saying, well, we're all God's creation. We're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. And some are God's children, but others are the children of the devil. And you can be as sincere as you want. And the only difference between those that are with God and those that are not with God are those that are with God, want to honor God, do what God says, and try to rise up to the occasion of, of listening and hearing and doing what He says. And others, you know, I'll just, I'll give, I'll give God my time whenever it's due. You know, I'll, I'll go religiously uh, twice a year, Christmas and Easter, Christmas and Easter, that's it. You know, that's as far as I'll go. And, uh, you know, but my life is my life. And when I need you, I'll call on you, but don't tell me what to do. And I've said this many times before. I think a lot of people, and I really believe that a lot of people want God, not necessarily desire God. You see, there's a difference. People want the blessings, the benefits, the, the good things of God. Yeah, I want to be rich. I want to be healthy. I want to, I want to stay, uh, comfortable. I want you, I want you to help me when I'm down and out. But you, you know, I, I just want the, the benefits, the blessings, but don't tell me what to do. A lot of people love God and they, they, they say they love God and they like God, but when they get to heaven, they don't want to see him there. You know, I don't want him to, in my life. Because my life is fine. I like the way it is. I like my sin. I like my lifestyle the way it is. And when I get in trouble, I'll call upon you, God. But see, a genuine believer will want to honor God and give God and desire God, more of God. And this is what Paul is, is trying to express here. He says, you know, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory. My prayer for you, Paul says, is that number one, that my prayer for you is that you be strengthened in the inner man. If you have your outlines, you can fill that in. That you be strengthened from the inner man. Not only are there two gods, but because there are only two gods, and Satan is not a god. He's not, he's not fighting in Jesus are, are fighting each other. It's not like one is winning and one could be losing. God is in total control of Satan. And he allows him to do what he needs to do. Remember the story of Job. Satan couldn't do anything to Job unless he asked for permission. And God gave him permission to do whatever he would except to take his life. Everything that happens in your life is father filtered. Satan cannot come upon you without God knowing so. And if you're a believer, a genuine believer, yes, the enemy is going to come. Satan doesn't have the same omnipresence that God has. God can be everywhere at every time, in time, out of time, eternity, infinity, uh, or finite time. He can be everywhere. Satan can only be at one place at one time. And, and to say, for me, to say, well, Satan is attacking me, it's kind of very prideful and boastful and, you know, kind of arrogant to think that Satan's taking his time away from the nations, the kings and the rulers and all those people, taking away just to pick on poor little old me. <laughs> 
you know, I, I can do enough damage myself. I don't need Satan to tempt me with these things. Satan does have these dominions, I mean, these uh, minions and, and these rulers that he has, and they go around pescering people. But most of the time for us, our flesh is what causes problems for us. So Satan does not have that ability to, not that he won't. You know, I don't know, maybe he is in your life, you know, but, but we cannot say, I cannot say that Satan is tempting me all the time. He's busy everywhere else, but I know God is here. And so it's not the two uh, fighting forces. One is winning, the other one's losing, and so on and so forth. God is totally in control. Jesus has conquered death. It's over with. It is finished. And Satan is trying his best to get as many people as possible. So just like there's two, there's two of you. There's your inner man and our outer man. It's interesting that in this world, in our culture, most people are more concerned about their outer man. You'll go to department stores. You'll go to, uh, there's never a, a department for the inner man. You know, it's always for the outer man, the, your hair, your face, your clothes, your shoes, to look good. Everybody's more concerned about looking good on the outside, exercise, which is, I'm not saying you shouldn't look good. You should. Thank you for dressing up and taking a shower and being here. It, it is good to know that you are caring for the things and being a good steward of the things that God has given you. But our concern should always be more for the inner man. This was Paul's concern. He says, my prayer for you is that you are strengthened in the inner man. That, now, in your outlines or in your Bible, if you can circle that word, so that or that, this is what's called a purpose clause. Okay, here's what I want you to do, Paul says. You have to go through this process, this step. You want to get to verse 20? Here's the process. Number one, what you need to do is strengthen the inner man. That, and then he goes on to say, according to his riches, or his, the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. The inner being is the part where everything takes place. It's your heart. It's the control center of your life. And that inner being can only be strengthened through the Word of God. Your inner being cannot be strengthened from the outside. Your inner being cannot be strengthened by, uh, I don't know, horoscopes, tarot cards, uh, fortune cookies. Your inner being cannot be strengthened from anything else but something supernatural, which is Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Christ. Paul says you need, a, you need to strengthen that inner man. That inner man is the one that's going to, to give you. It comes out of God's riches. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, we read that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And Paul just is, this is why we call this series God's grace, uh, God's riches, the riches of God's grace. Because there is all this richness that believers are just not tapping into. And I believe a lot of it is because of, well, we just don't know how. Ignorance. I'm not saying that you're dumb. Sometimes we just don't know. Sin. Sometimes we just don't have, we, we don't confess our sin before the Lord and, and God wants us to confess our sin. Sometimes maybe there's just not no genuine repentance. You've not genuinely repented, changed your mind, walked away from those things that you know are damaging your life. And th this richness that God wants to give you, we, we saw this in, in Ephesians 1.7 and Ephesians 3.8. You'll see it expressed this way, to him, to me, 
though I am the very least of all saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches. Paul's responsibility is to show you. A pastor's responsibility is to explain to you, you have these riches. Now, I know that this has been preached from the prosperity side of it. And and it's not the riches in your pocketbook or your bank account. It's the riches that only God himself has. Because if it was for your pocketbook, then Paul got it wrong. He died a poor, beheaded saint. Jesus got it wrong. He had no home, nowhere to lay his head, no, no family. It was, just, it was just him. Every apostle after them got it wrong. You see, so it has to be more than just possessions. Not that God won't bless you with possessions. You are blessed to bless others. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need, not your greed, of yours according to his riches in glory. There are these riches, and he wants to give them to to you according to, not out of. Not out of. You see, there are people that that can come out and say, you know, I, I you know, if if I was a multimillionaire, and you would say, you know, I need some money, I'd give you, okay, well, here's 250 bucks. That's that's out of what I already have. But if you were to say, can I borrow some money? And I would give you $2,500. That's out of the riches, not according to. And so what we do is we come to God and he has this vast amount of resources. And out of that, he wants to abundantly bless your life for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God so that his kingdom will be enriched. His kingdom will grow. Not my kingdom. Not your kingdom, beloved. His kingdom. And in the process, if he, if he finds a worthy uh, person that is willing to disseminate God's riches in so many ways, I, I don't know if you ever heard this story, and this is just one of many stories that, that, that are out there. The, the person that invented the Wrigley Spearmint Gum, he promised God that he would, you, he would tithe if God would just continue to, to, to bless him. And he started tithing 10% of his income. Then he started tithing 20% till finally he was tithing 90%, giving 90% to the ministry, and he was living on 10%. And eventually he realized, I still have more. And so he whittled that down. You see, God is looking for people that are willing to use the resources for furthering the kingdom. That is what he's trying to do. And so for a lot of people, we don't, we don't actually get that. And so what Paul is, is getting across is he says, you know, I, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I want you to see how all of this, the riches of his glory, how much he has and, and what he wants to give you. And, and the interesting thing is that there's a lot of things that are within our life that, that we just don't realize. We don't tap into it. And many defeated Christians live their life without even understanding or realizing you have the resources within you. In, in, in the Psychological Society, uh, there was an article written by Dr. Martin Gross questioning the very foundations of psychiatry. You know, I'm a psychiatrist, and uh, he was also a believer, and he says, you know, it's just it's amazing on how a lot of people just come to us and how they, you know, they want us to fix them. And the problem is, is that I fix them, then I have no more income. 
I got to give them at least, you know, 10 sessions. And, you know, okay, that's not enough. I need another 10 sessions because my boat just got bigger, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, anybody else? And for, for him, his thought was this, that he was suggesting that the, the prestige and the financial gain are the real driving forces behind psychiatry and the psychiatrists. Even more significantly, he says, he, he asserts that psychology and psychiatry have no answers to the mental and emotional ills that are used to treat their patients. His conclusion is that every person is incurably neurotic by nature and should be left alone with his neurosis. In other words, what he's saying is that I'm neurotic. I am. You know, I, you are too, to some extent. There, there, and you know, maybe, maybe you're not as much as I am, but all of us, we have this self-doubt. We have this inability to cope. We have this inability to be with people and, and crowds and some people, you know, they get nervous and, and, and we're all kind of neurotic in a sense. The problem is that we think that it's just us. And when we isolate ourselves and we step away from the crowds and we start looking at, okay, you know, what's wrong with me? The more you step away, the more that you fall away, the more that you keep away, the more the enemy can influence your thoughts. And see, when, when, when the, um, when, when the businesses that were open that were needed, you know, there were a lot of businesses that said, well, some of them are needed and some of them are not. The church is not needed. Close it down and uh, you guys can't meet because it's not a needed ministry. It's not a needed, needed uh, facility. You don't need to meet. And they were intentionally trying to break up. The ch- As a matter of fact, it made it stronger. The church got stronger underground. The church got stronger and bolder. And it started to flourish and things started to take place. Yet, a lot of people were kept away because only God's Word, only God's Word can change a person. He continues to say, from the purely human standpoint from which he writes, Gross's pessimistic pessimistic conclusion is perfectly sound because man's basic nature is indeed universally and incurably flawed. Every one of us, our sinful nature is flawed. And the only thing that can change the sinful nature is Jesus Christ, something supernatural. And this flaw, that sin, this neurosis that we have, and this problem with these symptoms, are all just symptoms. And the flaw is in the inner man, where man himself cannot perform a cure. And so in the process, now I know that there are a lot of people that are going to disagree with what I'm saying because they really believe that there's something wrong. And, and you know, probably so. There's some things hormonally that happen in people's lives. There's some things emotionally that take place that some people can't get over. But the, pro- the, 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 the whole process of this is this. The whole premise is this, is that Jesus Christ is the one that can take care of every ill, even to the point of some sort of chemical imbalance. If that's what you deal with, if that, Jesus Christ can help you deal with those issues. It's not a psychiatrist. It's become a very popular field. The drug industry uh, for, for these, these things to help people to get better. Only Jesus Christ can heal the inner man. We all have a problem. We all do, and it's called sin. And the more I step away, the more I keep away, the more that sin just seems to grow. And sin will continue to flourish But what God does is He changes you. And although the the physical man is getting weaker and weaker, you know, and the older I get, the the more I realize, you know, this body is starting to fall apart. 
I tried to do some work yesterday that I really shouldn't have. And, you know, I, I couldn't stand up straight afterward. My wife handed me some Tylenol. Here, take these. <laughs> It'll help you. There's some things that I just cannot do physically anymore. The body is wasting away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, we, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have our bodies, and some of us can start to, you know, some of you younger people are probably a little bit better at this than I am. You know, your bodies are still strong. You're, you're realizing and recognizing that you, have, you still have the vigor and the strength and the ability to bounce back right away, and I just, I just don't have that anymore. And as I get older, I come to realize, you know, that's happening even more and more now. And uh, some of you can probably say amen to that. But he goes on to say in verses uh, 16 and 17 of 2 Corinthians 4, he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. You see, the inner man is being renewed. The inner, I, I, I sense a difference within the inner man, just like the outer man. I sense a difference within the inner man. And, and you should. You should be more mature. You should be growing. You should be developing. You should be building on top of what you've already learned and seeing how it is to get through these, these troubles and trials because the inner man is the one that's going to lift you up and is going to help you through. You want to get to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, you have to build the inner man. That's what Paul is trying to get across. And you see this in all of Paul's writing. He says in verse 18, And we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, well, those are eternal. And those are the things that are building for us and preparing us for an eternal glory of weight beyond all comparison. Paul had this struggle in his life in chapter 7 of Romans. In chapter 7 of Romans, Paul struggled. You know, I, I want to do certain things. There's things that I want to do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, I do. You know, how is it that all this is happening? And it happens within himself. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 22, he says this, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I, I love when I hear God's word and, and it builds me up. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He says, my inner man, when I'm focused on God's word, it builds me up. I can get through things. But when I don't focus on God's word, I focus on my outer man trying to work through this problem myself without the church's help, without God's help, without the word's help. Then I start to fall apart. And then he goes on to say, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And praise God, because he says, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and then in verses 5 and 6, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds in the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds in the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And then in verse 8 and 9, he says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When, when we are walking in the flesh, when we are walking, you can't do both. You can't walk in the Spirit and walk in the flesh. In Galatians, remember when we went through Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, You know, so therefore I say, walk in the Spirit. 
<clears throat> excuse me, walk in the spirit so that I, so that you do not desire the, the sins of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. And we need to walk in the spirit at every single step. And so what, when we're talking about the inner man, when we're focusing on the inner man, when we're dealing with the inner man, we're trying to strengthen the inner man. We do this through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is given us the ability to, to go to and, and seek God and, and to be able to build, be built up by God. And this is what Paul is saying. My prayer for you is that you are built up in the inner man. Number two, we're going to spend some time a little bit on point one and point two, and then we're just going to go through the rest of them very quickly. Because this is a progression that Paul is walking us through. My, my prayer to you is this, is that Christ dwell in your hearts. That Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, the point, the point of this is that some of us, some of you have already been saved, regenerated. And the Bible teaches that once that happens, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And He lives within you. And yes, He does. And, and I'm not asking you to have the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ come back and redwell. Okay, he's already dwelling. Uh, he's already in, residing. But this word dwell has a very significant meaning. And I'll explain that to you here in just a bit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. The word dwell, if you remember last week, I... I used a Greek word called oikos. Oikos is house. Uh, oikoiname is this, this, this household of fellowship of believers. And this karaokoi is the dwelling. And kata is the word, the first word, which means down and under. And oikoi is the household or, or the dwelling place. And it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a compound word of down inside the house, basically, is what it's saying. What Paul is saying here is you have to have Jesus Christ feel down and comfortable inside the temple of your body. Jesus Christ needs to dwell, feel comfortable. You see, you can be in a home, but it's much more better to be in a house. Excuse me, that's different. You can be in a house, <laughs> but it's much more better to be in a home. Amen? I mean, you can live in a house. You, it'll, it'll protect you from the elements outside. It's nice shelter, but it's so much better to come home from the world. I, I've done some ministry this last week and last couple of weeks, actually, and, and it's, it, defe- it, it not defeats me, but it, it, it's somewhat, uh, straining sometimes. Uh, there's three various funerals that I've done this last week, and, and, and each time that I come home, you know, it's just, I just want to go home. I want to go home and rest. And, and I really appreciate the fact that when I get home, I don't have to go into another battle. I believe the Lord had blessed me with a wife that is understanding, that understands that I do ministry, understands that I have to be gone, that understands that, that I have to be in these other places. And when I come home, she greets me with a kiss. Is there anything that I can get for you? Sit down and rest. And, and you are at home. Now, there are a lot of people that don't have that peace. They come home and they say, oh man, what's going to happen now? There's like the battle in the forefront. As soon as you walk through the door, it's like it all comes against you with kids and the spouse and all kinds of different things. And, and, and that's not what, what, what Jesus Christ wants to see in a home. That's not what he wants to see in your house. He wants to dwell. He wants to feel comfortable. The problem is that there's a lot of sin within our life that he just doesn't feel comfortable there. And he desires for that to be taken out. This is why Paul says, you gotta let God, you gotta let Jesus Christ just 
hunker down and, and dwell within your home, your heart, and let him feel comfortable in your heart. Get rid of that sin. Stop walking in this world. Stop holding on to the things of this world. Just remove yourself from all of that. Let him be the cleansing power in your life. The fact of Jesus' presence in the hearts of believers, it's, it's, it's not that, but it's the quality of his presence. It's not that Jesus is not in your heart. Is how much of Jesus does he have of your heart? It's not that he's in here, but how much does he have? How much control? Are there places still that you don't want to relinquish? And a good example I found was with Abraham and Sarah. When the angels of the Lord came and God was there with them. Some people say it was a theophany. It was Jesus Christ, or Christophany. And so they came and they rested in Genesis 18. And evident it was evident that Abraham and Sarah knew that they were hosting the Lord himself. And it was evident that the Lord felt at home with Abraham and Sarah. It seems significant that when a short time later, you know, during that time, they prepared something to eat and they gave the Lord and the angels something to eat. But a short time later, when Abraham goes to Lot, and says, or actually the angels that came and visited Abraham, they go to Lot. It was just the two angels. It wasn't the Lord. The Lord felt comfortable with Abraham and Sarah, but the Lord did not feel comfortable with Lot. He says, you know what? I'm going to send you my angels, and I'm going to pray that they get you out of there quickly because it was going to happen. And you know the story in Sodom. The Lord burned the place down with sulfur, and it, it was just just in time. Lot and his daughters and his wife, uh, Sarah, uh, she or his wife, uh, was turned into a pillar of salt, and that's basically what took place in his life. God feels comfortable in those that are honoring Him. He feels very uncomfortable in the unsettled life. He feels very uncomfortable. We not only have to let the indwelling spirit cleanse us from within, but we also need to be strengthened from within. We also need to let Christ dwell in our hearts. We need to prepare that room, that home. And uh, now I love when we bring people over. You, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. <laughs> You know, when people come over, we do the best we can to make sure that everything's organized. The pillows are picked up, the blankets are folded, the covering cloths, you know, pictures, everything's in place. You know, after the grandkids have been there a couple of times, you know, it's kind of everything's all disheveled and, yeah, we'll pick it up later. But when we ask people to come over, then we take that extra effort to make sure that the place is, is homey. And most people that come to our house, they say, you know, it really feels comfortable here. And it does. It does because of my wife's ability to make our house a home. Jesus Christ wants you to make your house his home, starting today. You want that power to flow from you? Then start working on your inner being. Start working on the indwelling Christ. Number three, my prayer for you is that you will comprehend God's love. That you would comprehend God's love. I am convinced that we have not yet comprehended, we understand, we've not yet grasped the profundity, the depth of His love. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul says, I want you to know it from all angles. I want you to know how, how, how wide this is, how long this is, how high this is, how deep this is. I want you to know this. 
Paul's prayer as a pastor to his people, I want you to comprehend. Beloved, I want you to comprehend as well. I want you to comprehend this, this power, how deep the Father's love for us, that he would send his son to die for us, that he became a curse for us to make this wretch his treasure. How deep, and if, if you ever get a chance to listen to that song again, or if you want to just Google it again, it's in your outlines. Read the words. That is such a deep love that God the Father has for you. Oh, if, you, if we were just to grasp it and understand it, there would be no stopping what God wants to do with this church. That love is what Jesus Christ died for. He wants you to love in that manner. In John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. We are to love one another in such fashion. In, in 1 Peter 1.22, it says, having purified, your hearts by your, by, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Loving one another takes commitment takes commitment to the body of Christ, takes commitment to one another, takes commitment to serve together. I can't love you if I don't see you. You can't love me if you don't see me. And it should be more than just once a week. We should get together even more so during the week and have fellowship somehow and make this happen And during the Wednesday night Bible studies, Sunday nights if we have to, and whatever else it takes. He says, I give you this commandment that you love one another. In John 13, 35, he says, by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. That's it. How does the world know? Because there's love in there. People come to our church and people are fighting and arguing and people walk away and say, I don't think I want to go there. But when people come to the church and they say, you know, I, I felt love. I felt accepted. I felt genuinely accepted in this place. Doesn't care what background I have. Doesn't care who I am. I felt loved. And I've heard that a lot from people that have visited us. Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know that love, it just covers a multitude of sins. When we get to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, and this is why we need this inner strength. This is why we need uh, Christ dwelling within us. This is why we need to know God's love. Because we're going to be asked to do things here from this point forward. God is going to say, Paul is going to say, you know, here's what God expects of you. And you cannot do this. Uh, some, some of you are trying to do this in your own power, but you need supernatural power. Because love and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Number four, my prayer is that you be filled with all the fullness of God. That is my prayer. This is Paul's prayer. He says in verse 19, the, the, the second half, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul says this, okay, here's the process that you need to go through. Out of God's riches... Out of all that he has, I want you to be 
Uh, I want your inner being to be strengthened. I want Christ to feel it comfortable in your home. I want that sin to get, you got to get rid of that so that Christ can feel comfortable in your home. I, I want you to understand the, the, the depths, the heights, the width, the length of God's love. I just want you to understand that. When you understand that, uh, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be filled with the fullness of God. When we get to Ephesians chapter 5 again, he says, do not be uh, drunk on, the, on wine, but be filled by the Spirit. And the, the, the contractions that he uses there, be being filled, is what he's trying to say. Be continuously being filled. And it's kind of rough language, but we just say be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the purpose of that is to say that we, this is something that we have to continually do to be being filled. In the same manner here, be being filled with the fullness not L, the fullness. I don't know why I wrote that, but it should be all the fullness of God. Being filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that you have, everything that he has, he says, I want to fill you. And he can fill you when you walk through this process. And if you notice in your outlines, the first word in each one of these sections that I, I pointed out and I darkened, it's that. That's that that progression that 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 puts the one verse next to it, that this may happen. That So you got to do this so this can happen, so that can happen. And you do that so that can happen. You do that so that you can be filled. And you, you work with so that your inner man can be strengthened, so that Christ will dwell in your heart, so that you will understand God's love, so that now you'll feel the fullness of God's love and the fullness of God himself being filled over and over and over again. Being filled. And we, we went through this in Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's already in you. And when we dissected that verse, I, said, I mentioned to you, you already have love. Guess what? You already have joy. You have peace. And you also have patience. Stop praying for it. You got it. And it works itself through when you Ask God to forgive your sin. When you ask God to cleanse you, you already have kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. You already have self-control. I can't control this. If you're a genuine believer, you got it. God doesn't lie. He doesn't give you just parts of it. It's not an additional blessing for those that are better than others. It's not that you, you okay, I get love today, peace tomorrow. You know, it's not like that. And you notice it says, it says the fruit, it's singular. It's not a bowl of fruits so that you can come to God today and say, I think I'll take this one today. No, you have all of them within you for a genuine believer, those that have been regenerated, those that have been saved, those that are Christians, those that are knowing that if they die today, they go to heaven. You have that ability to live your life in such a manner. Somebody, well, actually, a few people have always said of, of our life, you know, it seems like you guys have no problems. You guys are always just like upbeat and everything's, no, beloved, you, you. We, we tend to handle problems differently than most people. You know, problems happen. Case in point, many of you know that I was in the hospital with COVID. And while I was in the hospital with COVID, they wanted to intubate me. This is, a, you know, we, we need to probably intubate you. I says, no, no, it's okay. Are you sure? He goes, yeah, no, I don't, I don't. You know, why prolong it? And I was at peace. And I says, Lord, if this is how you're going to take me out, I don't know why, but if this is how you're going to take me out, then so be it. My only regret is that I didn't do enough within the church to be able to prepare it for the next phase. That was my 
saddest moment, the one thing God revealed to me, you didn't do enough to get it ready for the next step. You know, because if I take you out, then we'll have to figure out what's going to happen. And God has something in store. But I didn't get to see what it is that God's going to do. You, you know, it, it gets pretty discouraging. Yeah, it does at times. I literally walked out this morning. Right, Ken? Ken had to tackle me. Get back here. Why? Because you got the keys. <laughs> we can't lock up if you're not here. Okay, here. <laughs> you know, and, and the things that we have been through in our life, I mean, that's just, to me, it's minor. You know, the, the, the death of loved ones and uh, on and on and on. And, you know, my daughter being, you know, born the way she is and the struggles that we go through with her. It, it, those aren't things that, they, they affect us, but we deal with them because of our, God's promise. There's love in your heart, love. There's joy, there's peace, there's patience. There's kindness, goodness, and there's self-control. And, and we, we understand that all we have to do is just submit ourselves, bow our knees, and say, Lord, help me in this area. And guess what? He doesn't get me out of it. No, he helps me through it. And that's exactly what he wants to do in your life. And it's not that we don't have any struggles. We do. Problem is, is that, or not the problem, but the, the point is, is that we look at it differently, you know? And so every time it's a different challenge. And the last thing I want to say to you is this. My prayer is that the power of God is unleashed upon your life. That the power of God is unleashed upon your life. Now look at this verse again. We started by reading this verse. Started at the end. Now to him who is able. He is able because, you see, the inner man is strengthened. Christ fills it home in your life. You understand the love of God. You, you, you have come to this point where you're, you're recognizing the fullness of God in your life. Now you can see that he is able to do far more abundantly. Not only what you think, not only what you can, you know, put on your wish list, but even that which you, you don't even know about yet. Things that you can ever think or imagine or even try to conjure up yourselves. Whatever dream or thought that you had, Paul is saying, God is telling you that you can do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think or imagine according to the power at work within us. Beloved, that's the power. That's That verse, I've taken it out of context. I've preached it. I've taught it. I've tried to live it. But without the process so that that you will have the indwelling power so that you would be able to have Christ comfortable in your heart so that you can understand the profundity and the depths of God's love so that you would be filled with God himself therefore now he says now to him who is able he's able do you believe he's able Do you believe he's able? Amen, yeah. I believe he's able. My problem, our problem, people's problems, yeah, he's able in your life, you know? He's able in, no, he's able in your life, beloved. He wants to do this in your life. And this is not to make you rich or prosperous or powerful or whatever the case is. That's the last thing God wants. He doesn't want this to be about you and your pride. This is about God's kingdom. This is about, well, here, let me just read that to you. The last verse, in the last verse it says, To him, 
to him and only to him, not to Pastor Sal, not to North Park Church, not to your life, but to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. To him, not to anybody else, but to him be the power and the glory. In Romans 16, Paul puts it like this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. What a doxology. What a word of, of all to God. Glory to God. All for Him. Jude puts it this way in Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. You see, when, when you are built up in the inner man, when you are built up in an understanding uh, that Christ is comfortable in your home, you don't want to mess up your home. God will keep you from stumbling. When, when, when you're filled with the fullness and know the love of God, then, then you will be able to, He will be able to keep you from stumbling. I don't know about you, but I stumble every time I take my eyes off the gold. And the more that I can keep my eyes on the gold, then He can present me. He says, I'll present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. See, that's the reason. It's all for His glory. The church, it's for His glory. That the manifold wisdom of God may be known. The church's purpose is that the angels can see, we talked about this last week, the angels can see the manifold wisdom of God. It's for his, It's all about God. And He wants to do this through you. He wants to use you. He wants to see this happen in you. Now, just a fair warning. Because every disciple and every genuine follower of Jesus Christ in that day didn't get what everybody else in the world was getting. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says that the world was not worthy of them. They were destitute. They were living in caves. Their children were, were taken away. Their possessions were stripped of their belongings. They were all stripped of their belongings. They, some were sawed in two, fed to lions, but the world was not worthy of them because their purpose was to bring glory to God. Well, I don't see any lions around here today, but, you know, I don't think they'll be feeding you to lions. But, you know, one of the things that's been happening here just recently, and um, when, when all, these, all these things that are happening right now, the, the laws that they're making, you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be harassed, not because you're a Christian. I mean, it's the reason why. But what they've already done, and they've already kind of done, been doing this for some time now, they've been developing laws and rules and uh, you know they've been developing all these things and now if anything were to come up against you it's because you will be an enemy of the state i don't want my kids being taught that stuff oh you're a domestic terrorist 
I just, I'm not a domestic terrorist. I just don't want my kids taught that stuff. Well, you, you cannot say that here because we've called the FBI and they're going to get you now because you are making a scene. Well, yeah, I'm making a scene. Those are my kids. Arrest the guy. I don't know if you heard about the case about this young lady that was raped in, in school and uh, he made a big fuss because nobody would do anything about this. And so eventually what ended up happening is that uh, they called the cops on him, on the father. They arrested the father while the person that had done this to his daughter was transferred to another school and did it twice again in that school. Because it's okay for men to go into women's bathrooms. It's okay for these things to happen. You know, it's okay because we don't want to damage their psyche. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it works. Well, this father was beside him. I thought it's not supposed to work with my, you know, and he became the problem. Why? Because laws, beloved, are coming up against you. One day, I'm not going to be able to preach this and proclaim this, this gospel message, because it's called a hate crime. This will be taken away because it's called a hate book, hate speech. Uh, we're not going to be able to do these things because, and it's not because I'm a Christian. No, no, no. You're breaking the law. You have become an enemy of the state. And I believe, personally, there's no turning back. There's really no way of stopping this machine because, well, that's what the end times prophesies. You need to be strengthened from the inner man. You need to be strengthened. And maybe you might not ever accomplish this huge, giant goal that you think you can or you can't even think about. Maybe not, but you know what? It's going to help you battle what this world is throwing at you. You need to let Christ dwell in your heart, feel comfortable in your heart, so that in case something like this happens, you can stand firm and say, you know what? Okay, well, that's the case, that's the case. You need to be filled with the fullness of God. Understand His love. If, if ever, ever I get arrested or whatever the case may be, or something happens to me because I'm preaching the gospel, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God's love supersedes anything that can happen to me. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Whatever may come, may come. And whatever I have to endure, I'll endure because I know that God still loves me. Uh, and I'm trying to understand the, the, the depths of this love and the width of this love and the heights of this love. And, and, I, I under, and I know that whatever may happen, I know he loves me. You know, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Why me? <laughs> well, he says, because I chose you. I picked you. I picked you out from way before the beginning of the world. And so I, I pray that as I go through this process with you, that I can be filled with God and understand and be able to, to, to bring glory to God in my life. Even if it's just in this little insignificant place, this little city called San Bernardino. That's all it is, and that's all it is. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to invest my life. I'm willing to extinguish, waste my life, burn my life out, if that be the case. Because ultimately, number two, two things. Number one, I know I can go home. I can go home and I can feel safe. I can go home and I can feel safe and I'm, I'm at home, comfortable, and everything is good. Number two, because I can go home. I can go home to heaven. I can go home and I'll know that, you know what, now that I'm here, I don't want to go back. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Sorry, kids. I'm here and I'm just hanging out here with Jesus. We're just at, you, You'll be here soon. I see you guys coming up. I don't want to go. I'm going to go home. Number one, I can go home. Number two, I can go home.
And that's the confidence that I want you to have. Let me ask you to stand. Oh, this message, I, I, when I heard it, when I, when I understood it, when I grasped it, when I started to disseminate it within my life, I said, oh, this is, uh, I, I, it would be nice that you would hear it, and you are. And pass it out to somebody. Share it with someone. Because the Word of God is true. It's not just for those that are mega Christians. They're huge, powerful you know, forces in the world. It's for you. It's for each one of us. Thank you, Lord, once again for that incredible promise that comes to those who are genuinely yours. And Father, if there are people within the sound of my voice that have not yet decided or even realized or know or can even comprehend that they have come to a saving knowledge of who you are, I pray that right now the only criteria to do is to repent. Repent from the lifestyle that we live and the things that we're doing or holding on to and how we, we seek the world and we seek the things from the outside. The outer man is always looking to be encouraged and built up. The outer man is looking for ways to cope with this world. The outer man goes to the furthest lengths of, of psychiatrists, doctors, horoscopes, you name it, to try to make sense of this world. But Lord, it's the inner man that you're concerned with. Our outer bodies are fading away, these jars of clay. But our inner man should be being built up and filled. And if people have not yet come to that realization, I pray that today is the day of salvation. As you said, Lord Jesus, repent and believe the gospel. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And I pray for every believer and every person that's within the sound of my voice that they repent today, that they repent right now and believe this gospel message that you died on the cross for each one of us. You were buried in a, in a borrowed tomb. You resurrected and now sitting at the right hand of the Father one day to come back for us. And Lord, if there's anyone making that decision today, I pray that you uh, just lead them our, our way so we can help and disciple and, and to grow them to become the, to go through this process of what you've called us to do. Thank you once again for this day. Thank you for your love. Uh, help us understand that great love. Help us to just grasp it and comprehend it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, stick around for some coffee. I'll be up here for some Prayer, if you'd like to come up, I'd like to pray with you and pray for you as well.